0: your word god we can just believe in those things because lord you're not a man that you should lie but god that those things will come to pass in the time that you have for them so lord this morning we just glorify your name magnify who you are father you are the king of kings and the lord of lords Father, you are my Prince of Peace, the bright morning soar. Lord, you are the Alpha and you are the Omega, God. You're the beginning and you are the end. Lord, you see the beginning and you see the end all at the same time, Father. You know that nothing has taken you by surprise and you have a plan for this morning and we want to see it come to pass this morning, Lord, as we glorify your holy name, God, in Jesus' name. Let's glorify his name this morning.
1: I give you glory for all you brought me through, and now I'm ready for whatever you want to do, I'm moving forward to follow after you. you best is yet to come. Oh, the cross, the cross before me, my hope things above. And in you, Jesus, oh, the best is yet to come. Your presence is your presence is an open door so come now lord lightning Más Your presence presence is an open door. So come. ¡Empa!
0: Walking around these walls And I thought by now they'd fall But you have never failed yet Waiting for change to come the battles won for you have never failed me your promise still stands great is your faithfulness your faithfulness
1: your hands. This is my confidence. You never fail me
0: yet. Never fail me yet. And I know the night won't Your word will come to pass My heart will sing your praise again Jesus, you're still enough Keep me within your love My heart will sing Your praise again Your Your promise promise still stands Great is your faithfulness Your faithfulness I'm still in your hands This is my promise Oh, Your promise, Your promise still says, "Great is Your faithfulness." Your faithfulness, I'm still in Your hands. This is my confidence. You never. I'm a God. Miracle, miracle
1: in the world. Nothing is too big for him I, I can feel, feel it, it. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Some may say it's hopeless but they've never, never met, met my, my God. God Some may say it's over But it was finished on the cross Some may say it's broken, but the healer's in the room. Some may say it's hopeless, but I know God's about to move.
1: There's revival in the church All started shaking All that died will live again Oh, the miracle you're making The beginning, not the end Eternity is waiting To see your church alive again There's a miracle in the works I can feel it
0: Like the dry bones started shaking All that time will live again Oh, the miracle you're making The beginning, not the end e- Eternity is waiting See your church alive again
1: Reignite us, reawaken Breath of God, come breathe again Like the dry bones started shaking, all that died will live again. Oh, the miracle you're making, the beginning, not the end. Oh, eternity is waiting to see your church alive again. There's a miracle in the world. If yeah. there's revival in the church.
0: I
2: believe it. You're still faithful. Never changing.
1: You're still faithful. Oh,
0: yeah. And I believe it.
2: Done before he can do again. Amen. That what he was able to do two thousand years ago, he's still able to do right now, and he's able to do for you in the future. He is all powerful, all wise, and all knowing. He is all omnipresent, it means he's here with us right now. And some of you may feel like you're in a hopeless situation. Where you look around and everything around you just seems hopeless. You have no way out, no way through. You're stuck in this pit of darkness. But I just want to let you know that there is a way out. I want to let you know that the king of glory stepped down from heaven to sacrifice his life for you so that way you wouldn't have to live trapped in your sin, so that way you wouldn't have to live trapped in this depression, in this darkness, so that way you wouldn't have to be hopeless. He came as a living hope to give you hope because before him, we were dead in our sin. Before him, we had no hope. We were condemned, but he came down So that way things could be different. He came down to set us free. He came down as our living hope. And we don't have to live in the sin anymore. We don't have to live trapped by fear. We don't have to sit in our hopelessness because he is our hope. He is alive and he is in this place today and he wants to meet you where you are. He wants to meet you. The God of the universe wants to meet with you today. But you have to believe it. You have to have faith and believe that he is willing to do what he wants to do in you. I believe it. I believe.
0: ¡Believe!
1: Father, we the lord god all the earth replies holy are you all the angels cry
3: company of heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests let the nations rejoice the Bible says when the Messiah came let the nations rejoice because like Elena was saying earlier Jesus has come to re-inherit the nations to reconcile us back to God and when we're worshiping It's not just us, but it's a whole host of heavenly, divine beings that are worshiping God. Because Jesus is Lord, and He deserves the glory, the worship, and the honor. Amen. Hey, the ushers are coming right now, and we're going to get ready to take communion. And here at life church we practice open communion which means the only requirement to taking communion with us is that you are a follower of jesus you have given your life over to jesus and he is your lord and you have had a born again experience and as they're passing out the elements we're going to be reading from the book of luke And, you know, Jesus, when he came and gave his life on the cross, it was to bring reconciliation. It was to bring redemption. That last supper was the last time they spent with Jesus in order that they would know his purpose and his mission is to redeem the nations back to God, to redeem man back to himself. And so we're going to sing that chorus one more time, and we are going to partner with the host of heaven in worshiping God as they pass the as they pass the elements out, let's join heaven and declare His
1: glory. All the Holy is the Lord God, and all the earth implies. Holy are You, all the angels cry. Holy are you. All the angels cry out. Holy is the Lord God. All the earth replies. Holy are you. Cry out, holy is the Lord God. All the earth replies,
3: holy are you. What a beautiful picture of what heaven's going to be like earth replies as the angels cry out the host of heavenly beings worshiping God it gives a beautiful picture of the cosmos and that when it says that Jesus is Lord of Lords and King of Kings that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord what a powerful promise the Bible says in Luke chapter 22 verse 14 when the hour came Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table and he said to them I've eagerly desired say eagerly I've eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer for I tell you I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God says in verse 19 and he took bread gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying this is my body given to you do this in remembrance of me Jesus said I've eagerly desired I've eagerly he eagerly desires relationship this is the purpose of communion this morning this is the purpose that Jesus desired he left he bankrupted heaven in order to reconcile us and redeem us back to God and he eagerly desires intimacy with each one of us and when we practice communion we remember this we remember what jesus did in order that we can walk in relationship with god this morning father we 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 take this time and we know that jesus you desire intimacy with us you desire you desire to be with us god we don't rush through this time but this is a holy moment god This is a holy moment, Jesus, because you desire intimacy. You desire men and women to be reconciled to you, that they can walk in the place with you, oh God. Jesus, we honor you. We give you glory that you paid the price, the ultimate price to reconcile man back to God. We give you glory this morning in Jesus' name. Let's take the bread together. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup saying, this is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Thank you for the blood. It's the blood that washes us. It's the blood. It's the shedding of the blood that brings reconciliation because life is in the blood. And it's the blood of Christ that washes us clean and allows us to walk in redemption with him. Father, thank you for the blood. Thank you that you shed the blood, Jesus. Thank you that you bought reconciliation through the shedding of your blood to redeem us back to God. We honor you this morning, and we do this in remembrance of you as a declaration that you're coming. You're coming. Come soon, Lord Jesus. Come soon. We give you honor. We give you the praise. We give you the glory in Jesus' name. Let's take the cup together. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Let's sing that chorus one more time. We worship you. All the angels cry. All the angels cry. We worship you, O God. Yes, Lord, you are so faithful. You are so faithful,
1: God. Holy are you. All the angels cry out. Yes, God. Holy is the Lord, God. All the earth replies. Holy are you, all the angels cry out. Holy is the Lord God, all the earth reply. Holy are you, all the angels cry out.
3: church prayer is part of our DNA We believe in the power of prayer. and We know that God hears us when we pray. So this morning, we're going to believe God that he would begin to birth gifts and ministries. We want to be a church that flows in the gifts, that flows, that we we can receive everything that God has to offer. We want to believe God for the gifts and new ministries to be birthed. We want to believe God that he's going to bring healing and deliverance in individuals' lives. That he'll restore families in this holiday season. And then lastly, we're going to pray for individuals in church who who attend Life Church, because you know what? There's individuals going through things that we may not know about. We show up on Sunday morning. We put the smile on, but you know what? Deep inside, we're broken, we're dying, and we need Jesus, and we need people to come around us and put their arms around us and lift us up in prayer. Are you ready to pray this morning, church? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come before you today, and we honor you, God. Lord we ask you to birth gifts and ministries, God. Let us be a church that flows in the gifts. Let us be a church that moves in the gifts, God. That there, there would be tongues, that would be interpretation, there would be prophecy, there would be the gifts of help, God. There would be all types of gifts that would go forth, Lord. We would be a full gospel, spirit-filled church, Lord. And your spirit and your presence and your power would rest upon us, oh God. We ask you, the Bible says, to covet the gifts. And we want the gifts, God. We want the gifts, oh God. Lord, we want to see people step into their destiny as new ministries of birth in Jesus name come on church as new ministries step up God people begin to walk in their giftings they begin to walk in their talents oh God and we pray that you would empower people to step into their destiny God and to be used in power in what you've called them to do God Lord, we honor you this morning. We worship you. We know that you are a mountain-moving God, Lord. And we know that you can change things in a moment, in a season, overnight, God. And we pray for healing and deliverance. We come against cancer. We come against anxiety. We come against all types of ailments, God. Lord, we come against blind eyes in Jesus' name. Father, we ask you to bring healing, God, that we would be healed. We would be a church body that is healed emotionally, that is healed spiritually, that we walk in integrity, God, and we are people that are made whole. Whole. Holy Spirit, make us whole, make us well, that we're not broken, that we're not hurt. But God, your spirit mends us and puts us back together, oh God. Lastly, why don't you just slip a hand up up to your neighbor, somebody around you. Let's just join together as a church, as a body, and we pray for the person next to us because there's individuals going through things. God, we lift up the body of Life Church right now in Jesus' name. Lord, there's people going through all types of things, and right now this is an example of us being unified in the Spirit in Jesus' name. God, unify us and help us to lift one another up in prayer, God. God, we pray that right now, as we're unified as there's a point of contact as there's a point of touch god that your spirit would flow through us god in jesus name that we can be a body that lifts each other up we could be a body that encourages one another god we can be a body that carries one another's burdens like paul said in ephesians Bear one another's burdens. Right now, God, we just pray that you would bring healing. You would flow through our body. That this place would be the the refuge of hope. This would be a place of refuge. This would be a place of hope, oh God, where people can find healing. They can find deliverance. They can find help. God, when the world brings trouble, this would be a place of refuge, oh God. Because your spirit dwells here so powerfully. We give you the honor. We give you the glory. We give you the power in the mighty name of jesus if you agree with that say amen 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 hey why you why don't you shake somebody's hand tell them hello welcome them welcome 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 to life church everybody watching by live stream we're so glad you joined us this morning it's great to be here with you we're so glad you're with us and everybody who's with us in church this morning welcome it's so great to see you all so great to be here with you uh we want to make sure you feel right at home for those of you that don't know me if this is your first time here i want to say welcome my name is josh i'm one of the associate pastors on staff here at Life Church, and I want to welcome you to service this morning. If this is your first time, we want to connect with you. You can text the word connect to the number 337 317 4123. That's 337-317-4123, and uh, we'll connect with you. We'll get to, get to know you. You'll be sent a link where you can fill out a digital connect card. We won't send you annoying texts, I promise, Texas. No, not the state, but the text message. We won't send you annoying texts, I promise you. Um, but we just want to connect with you. We want to get to know you more. You can visit the Welcome Center in the lobby and get a free gift. People love people love free things. Free things are great. So, And they also have the QR code you can scan there in order to access that uh, phone number. At this time, Naomi's coming to the platform. Why don't you welcome Naomi? She's going to make an announcement for us uh, about... Our Light and Life team, we've got an outreach coming up. We've got a class that Pastor Tiger's been doing. So she's going to let you guys know a little bit more about that.
4: Good morning. So yesterday we finished um, the last session of our evangelism class. Um, We are very proud of those who were part of that and who are going to be graduating. Um, If you are part of this last session, whether you are graduating or not, can you please stand? If you're in here. Let's give them a round of applause. So with class finishing, um, we will be having another outreach coming up. It is going to be this Friday night, November 18th. Um, We are going to meet here at the church first between 8 and 8.30. It isn't only for the team, but it's for each and every one of you who want to join us. We are going to be going downtown Lafayette. And we're going to be praying with people. We're going to be sharing the love of Jesus, hope, you know, which is a 180 of what I used to do in those streets myself. So um, we just want you all to come out. Everyone's welcomed. If you feel that um, you're comfortable enough to bring your children, your older children, however you want to do that, is personally up to you. Um, bring them along as well. So we just hope to see you Friday night between eight and eight thirty. Um, we'll organize. We'll pray because we're gonna pray before we go. You know, we're gonna ask for divine appointments. We're gonna ask for the Lord to show us who we need to speak to. Um, the Lord has been putting on my heart um, these last couple of days of leaving the 99 for the one. You know, because we go out, we are gonna talk to the one. The one matters. It matters because I, I also read a, um, a quote yesterday, and it said something to the fact of, you know, people may not want to hear the word repentance, but the one person in hell would love to have heard just one more time. Wow. You know, so you may be the one to share. You may have the testimony, the story to tell that one to hear repentance, to hear there's hope, to hear there's joy, and there's so much more for them in the Lord. So come out, share your story, share your testimony, bring the love of Jesus, and we hope to see you there.
3: Amen. And just for those of you that don't know, our Light and Life class is, I believe it's 12 weeks, so it's a class that Pastor... Six weeks. It's a class that Pastor Tiger preaches. And in order to graduate the class and get a completion, uh, you have to attend every session. And so it it requires commitment. It requires dedication. and, And man, it's just awesome. Pastor Tiger gives a lot of insights and truths on how to reach people, engage people who are Uh, lost. And so, but anybody can attend the class while it's going on, even if you can't make them all. And nevertheless, in the outreaches, when we go out, anybody can attend the outreaches. You don't have to have gone through the class. So this Friday, man, I encourage you to come out Friday night. It's going to be an awesome time. It's going to be a great time. We can reach people for Jesus. Amen. Also, I do have another announcement. Uh, So next Sunday, say next Sunday, next Sunday, at 9.30, uh, Pastor Bob's going to be doing a membership class, so we've got the sign-up sheet in the lobby, uh, and then he'll be telling more about that. He'll be talking about that, what that means, so on and so forth, and so um, if you're interested in that, sign up, and then you can be here next Sunday morning at 9.30 to take that, be a part of that, and also save the date on the women's Christmas party. is going to be December 10th, so you want to jot that down. Keep that in mind. That's coming up. Man, I'm excited about the holidays. Like, it's, the, I get all G stuff. I'm like a kid man I'm so excited about the holidays I get to preach messages about Jesus no I'm kidding I do that all the time y'all silly hey 2nd Corinthians chapter 9 verse 6 through 8 says each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give not reluctantly or under compulsion for God loves a cheerful giver at Life Church, we've got boxes on the back wall, we've got four opportunities for you to give. We've got boxes on the back wall, we've got a text to give feature, we've got a give them feature on our website, and we've also have a Life Church app. We want you guys to be afforded every opportunity to partner with the Lord in giving. Hey at this time, Sam's coming, a friend of mine, he has a testimony that he wants to share with you that I believe is going to bless you uh, in your walk with the Lord.
5: What's up Life Church <laughs> Yeah, so Josh asked me to share some testimonies about uh, life groups. And uh, it's too late to join it right now. We're ending, I think today is our last uh, uh, meeting. But it will start again, I believe, in January. I think we're going to skip the holidays and start back in January. Uh, And testimonies. Man, I could give all kind of testimonies of the evangelism class and what that has done. I will be on that outreach. Uh, Many testimonies of that. uh, I remember the first time we went and and, and Elliot said we were going to hold some signs that said free prayer. I'm like, man, that's stupid. That's not going to work. Nobody's going to come up to us out there. And, man, God moved and people came and we prayed and people got saved, delivered through drinks in the trash. I mean, you get to see a lot of stuff. I bring my teenagers with me uh, so that they can see it. But anyway, life groups. Uh, when Josh was praying, he said, uh, there's a lot of people in the church going through stuff that you don't even know. You don't even know they might be sitting right next to you and you don't even know and life groups is a way to to let people know to let people into your life to let people uh, uh share with you in those experience and pray with you through those experience and I just have one quick testimony uh uh this couple that that's in our group I won't say their names or anything but uh uh The the wife was sick, and then the daughter was sick, and then so the the women in the group were reaching out to her, you know, I'm praying for her every week or day or however, I don't remember the timeline or whatever, but my wife got this text from them, and it said, thank you all. She said, I'm not sure if you guys know what this means to us. We've had friends from other churches before, but it was only superficial. You guys as a group really make us feel welcome, and that's exactly what we need right now, a place to fit in. And, man, that's what Life Groups is all about. It's a place to fit in. It's a place where we can pray with you. We can share with you in successes and failures and and hurts and and everything, life. We just do life together. So thank you all.
6: Praise God, Amen. Good, good testimony. My life groups, awesome to see the outreach, and I saw some creative handiwork in there with that face painting. I don't where you've been hiding. Whoever's been doing that, whoever does that, man, we need you around here. We got some things on the walls down the hall. We could have you be painting. (laughs) I see a couple murals in my mind already. You know, so. I mean, come on now. I mean, look, if you can paint a face, you can paint a wall, right? I mean, mean, it's just a little bigger, you know. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. Uh, Let me make a quick announcement um, that uh, the Wednesday evening before Thanksgiving, we will not be having service. I just thought I'd let you know. We announced it Wednesday night, but a lot of times, you know, people's work, they're not here or whatever. We want to let you know that a lot of folks are traveling or a lot of people have folks coming in or a lot of people are cooking and all that kind of stuff. So. Uh, The Wednesday night before Thanksgiving, we won't be having our regular Wednesday night service, so we'll see you the Sunday before and the Sunday afterwards, okay? How's that? In fact, the Sunday afterwards, Pastor Josh is going to be preaching, man, so I know he's going to be fired. Is that a coffee day? (laughs) Either way, he's going to be fired up, so anyway, it's going to be good. Um, Praise the Lord. Uh, Can you please put my, there we go, praise God. Um, I realized two weeks ago, I, I, I taught a message on how to break the, the cycles of destruction in our lives, and, and uh, I mentioned in that, that time, and I've mentioned many times, that you can't just take something away from your life without replacing it with something else, it's like going on a diet and say, I'm not going to eat chocolate cake. I'm not going to eat chocolate cake. I'm not going to eat chocolate cake. But then if you don't eat something else, you're going to find a chocolate cake. It may be at your neighbor's house, or you may be finding yourself going down the road. You know, you just that's just the way it is. You have to put something else in its place. If you take something out of your life, like a destructive habit, then you've got to replace it with something good. And so we, we talked about this, but it was two weeks ago, and I realized that most people don't probably remember what I preached last week uh, or taught on last week. So I'm going to kind of quickly review that because I realize that we need to go back to not only breaking dist- uh, cycles of destruction in our lives, but how do we begin to live in the cycle of God's blessings in our life, okay? And so uh, Ecclesiastes 3 and 1 says to everything there is a season, a time, and a purpose under heaven. And I mentioned that, that in, uh, we, we took note of the fact that in the universe there are all kinds of cycles. Some of them are beautiful cycles like the galaxies and the northern lights. I don't, how many of you saw this past week in the news that because of a thing in the atmosphere that happened, a hole that opened in the atmosphere just briefly, the northern lights turned pink? Yeah, and and the the pictures are phenomenal. It was incredible. I was like, oh, Lord, you just pulled back the veil just for a second and showed us something we never seen before, you know? And um, we also talked about how some of the things, natural things are destructive, hurricanes and tornadoes and things like that. But in, in the natural cycle of life, there are many seasons. How many of you have had good times in your life? How many have had bad times? How many of you have had those times where it just seemed like nothing's going on, <laughs> you know? But you know what? There are some seasons that are growth seasons. There are some seasons that are rest. There are some seasons that are times of spiritual warfare. There are some seasons that are filled with desolation. And in our personal lives, there are times that those, there, there are cycles that can be destructive. And those cycles can be cycles of addiction, cycles of poverty, abuse, unbelief, defeat—you uh, name it. I mean, they just—it just comes and goes. I know people. Psychologists will tell you this: that there are people who go through every year when certain times of the year roll around, they battle. With certain things in their lives maybe that time of year is tied to a traumatic event that took place in their life or or uh whatever i mean like i mentioned the fact that i moved a lot when i was a kid i was raised in a military home and so it, uh, many times my dad's orders to move came in the early part of the year. And so I, I grew up, and I can't tell you, explain it why, but during the early part of the year, I would get this itch when, as an adult that I wanted to move. <laughs> and um, it just was like, because I was used to, moving in that period of time in my life and it just it etches its way into our lives and so many people find themselves locked into these these destructive cycles and can't seem to get out of it in fact I thought about it I wrote this down just this morning that a life cycle is something that goes around moving to a repeat destination in other words, it's that idea of if you do the same thing over and over and over again, don't expect a different outcome because it's just going to—it's going to be the same thing except worse. It's going down; it's not coming up. Okay, and 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 each time, uh, most of the time in life cycles, I've found that you're most of the time for most people they're lower. But it, they can be higher because it depends on what you're doing during that time. Are you building? Are you growing? Are you uh, uh, are you expanding your life? or Or are you just in this destructive cycle that just keeps going around and around and around? Like people who say things like, why does this keep happening to me? I won't ask if you've ever said that. But how many of you know somebody who has? Right. Why does this keep happening? Because they haven't learned yet what is causing that event and what is necessary to break out of that cycle. It's just going around the same thing over and over and over again. And so I talked about biblical cycle of destruction. I gave the example that's found in the book of Judges. And I'm going to put this up on the screen. And and, and the way it worked was simply this, that the people of God would rebel. Okay, starts with the rebellion at the top. So God would allow their enemies to rise up and begin to oppress them. Then the people of God would repent, and then God would raise up a deliverer. And then God would deliver them uh, from the oppression. And then as soon, not long after they were delivered, they'd start rebelling against God again. And in the book of Judges, it happened seven times. It's like, you know, if you haven't figured it out, it's going to end up at the same result, same time, every time. So this is what happened. And so the Israelites, each time though, it got worse and worse and worse. And the judgment that kept coming against them was even stronger from God. In other words, like if the first wake-up call doesn't work, then the second wake-up call needs to be maybe with a little extra oomph to it. And if the third one doesn't work, then the fourth one, you hope that somebody will wake up. And I've known a lot of people who live this way in their life. And and what's really sad is I know a lot of people who profess Christ and that they are Christians, but they live in this constant cycle of destruction in their lives. Jesus said that the devil came to steal and kill and destroy, but that Jesus came to bring life. But Satan wants to lock us into this cycle and have us be ignorant of these things so that he can thwart the plan of God and keep us in defeat. And that's why it's so important that we understand that God wants to break us out of that cycle of destruction and bring us into a cycle of blessing in our lives, okay? I shared with you the, the, real briefly how to break out the, of those, that cycle of destruction. And the first one is you must surrender to Jesus Christ. God is not going to wrestle you to the ground. He's not going to put your arm arm behind your back, so to speak, and make you give in to him. He'll bring you to a crossroads, and you'll have a free choice of whether to surrender to God. It's not like, okay, God, I give you Sundays, or okay, God, I'll give you this part of my life, but I'm hanging on to the rest of it. No, it's absolute surrender. Jesus has to have the final word. Now, why do I say that? Because you'll argue with God sometimes. How many of you have never argued with God? Anybody ever won an argument with God? (laughs) No, but we do it anyway, all right? No, God, no. You know, he has to have the final word, okay? And it has to be that we surrender to it, that we accept it, that we realize it is the best. How many of you have had somebody give you good advice, but you didn't want to take it, (laughs) right? But in the end, you had to go, I know it's right. I know it's right. That's what I'm talking about, surrendering to Jesus Christ. Then the second part was repentance. And we found that repentance actually has two different parts to it to make it whole. And the first one is confession. In First John 1 and 9, it says, if we confess our sins, he being Christ or God is faithful to forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And the word confess, we think means to tell somebody or whatever, but the word confess means to agree with. Okay, confession means to come into agreement with God concerning our sin. It means viewing sin the same way that God views sin. Our idea of confess is, okay, God, I'm sorry I did this. Now I'm going to go on and do what I want to do. I I, I told you, I think a couple weeks ago, I had a man tell me one time, years ago, I just moved to Louisiana Moved to Thibodeau, okay? You move from Alabama to Thibodeau, that's a shock right there. But I was used to culture shocks having moved like 20 times before I graduated high school. I moved from California to Alabama. Now, that's a culture shock. You move from Southern California where it's, hey, man, everything's cool, down to south, I mean, the middle of Alabama. I didn't even know where Alabama was. You know, on the west coast, they think Texas is the east coast. And and, and anything on the other side is like in the deep abyss, you know? And I mean, I moved there in 1971, and and I knew nothing about the race riots and, and, and all that was going on in the South at that time. And I thought, dear God, what have you done to us? You know, and and I was like, this is this is this is this can't be you. And I was, Lord, send us back to California. I would not want to go back to California now, but you know, back then, that's what I wanted to do. I'm just telling you, I had to come into view with what God saw, uh, my my sin, my life, and everything else, and then repentance requires a change of direction. Most people think repentance is just a change of direction. But it, until our thinking changes, we're not going to stay on that path of changing direction, okay? And so we have to have our thinking changed and come into alignment with God's view on things. Then we can change direction because to, when I was growing up, My mom would tell me something. Usually it was my mom because my dad was in the military and was gone a lot. And she'd say, do something. And I'd say, why? And and how many of you, I don't know about you, but you were only allowed so many whys. I never knew where that was because I was the oldest of seven children. And so all day long my mom heard why, why, why. So you may get by with one or two or three whys and you may get blasted on the first why. You know, how many of you know what I'm talking about? Anybody know what you're talking about? And, 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 and I'd say, why? And, but as I grew up and I came to the Lord as a teenager with very little understanding of what that meant, uh, um, the Holy Spirit would deal with me about something, changing something in my life, and I'd go, why? But you know what? The Holy Spirit was good. He'd show me why. He'd tell me why. He'd take me to the word and show me why I needed to change in that area of my life. And so it was a matter of giving God first place in my life that he had to to say so. Then I had to come into agreement. So when God would show me something and say, it's sin for you, I would look at, you know what we do? We look at others and go, well, why isn't it sin for them? And we want to compare, but they're not the standard. God is the standard. And the Bible says to him who knows to do good or do right and doesn't do it, to him it is sin. And if God hasn't dealt with somebody over here about the same thing, then it's not sin to them until God deals with them about it. But when God puts his finger in your face and say, for you this is sin, then it becomes sin and I have to come into agreement or alignment with what God says, and then I have to repent, and that means there's a change. There's a, and he'll deal with our thoughts, he'll deal with our words, he'll deal with our actions, because see, it's not always just what we're doing. How many of you know you can do the right thing for the wrong reason? I remember an old Dennis the Menace cartoon. And Dennis the Menace was always in trouble, and he'd get put in the corner. I used to get put in the corner when I was a kid, except Dennis always got to sit down in a rocking chair. I never got to sit down in a rocking chair. In my house, you put your hands behind your back, and you'd put your nose into the corner of the wall, and you'd stand there. And don't you dare pull your nose out of that off the wall. Some of you are looking at me like, what? That was punishment when I was a kid. And my mom would say, Go stand in there. Or my dad would say, Go stand in, the, stand in the corner. How long? 30 minutes. Do you know how long 30 minutes is like this with your hands behind your back? Not like this where you can press against the wall. You stand in there and your nose has to touch the corner of the wall. Good thing I had a decent sized nose. <laughs> You know, I mean, really, you know, and and you just sit there forever. And, 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 but Dennis the Menace in his cartoon, he said, he said, I may be sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. You know, we, 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 we can't do that. God wants to deal with our thoughts and our words and our deeds and everything else, our motives. And the process of turning direction involves turning from what we used to follow and replacing it with another way. And that's where I'm going. I gave this scripture, 2 Timothy 2.22. It says, flee also youthful lusts, but pursue. Notice it. He says, flee one thing, he said, but pursue what? Righteousness and faith and love and peace with those who call out on the Lord out of a pure heart. So he says, you've got to flee from this, but you can't just flee by standing still. You've got to flee and go to something else. Well, if I leave something that's bad and I flee to something that's bad, then what benefit is it? I have to turn to something else. And it's not so, it's a matter of pursuing the ways of God. And the way to, that we pursue the ways of God is that we learn the power and the promises of God's word and we don't allow guilt to rob us of God's blessings. Now please hear what I'm saying here because this is not going to be one of them, oh, you know, you know I've heard such misuse of applying God's blessings in our life, and I'm going to talk about that in just a second, that we tend to shy away from it sometimes. But we need to learn the power and the promises of God's Word. And then we need to to make sure that the enemy, once we begin to grasp hold of the power and the promises that are in this book, the enemy will try and guilt you to the place where he say you're not worthy of those promises or that power. So this this brings me to this point about how do we enter God's cycle of blessings? Because the scripture said to everything there is a season, okay? And so just as there is a cycle of destruction, there is a cycle of blessing. And it begins with this idea of sowing and then tending and then harvesting or reaping and then receiving the increase and it's a cycle. It's not a once through, it's a continual process. So let's break this down a little bit. We have to learn to sow and I've underlined the word learn, why? Because it's not something that we do naturally. It's just not something that comes natural because the mindset of of our society, the mindset of culture, the mindset of individuals is I'm number one. Come on now. I'm number one. There's a competitiveness. I want to be number one. I want to be the top. I want to receive the best. I don't know anyone who plays a game saying I hope I lose. My siblings would always get angry with me. We always had a closet full of games because we had a built-in six to eight players in my house because there were seven kids. And so it, it, it just happened that 99.9% of the time, I always won the game. And my siblings, they're, they're watching by way of the internet right now, and if they could punch in right now, they'd say amen, amen, amen. Their goal was not to win the game. Their goal was just to beat me. They, they didn't care how it got done. They wanted to beat me. That's all there was to it. Why? And, 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 they'd, and my mom would say, let your brother or sister win once in a while. I said, let them learn how to play the game. <laughs> She said, why you gotta be so competitive? I'm not being competitive. I'm just playing by the rules. And I just happen to win. And I like it. You know, come on now. How many of you get up in the morning going, boy, I hope I lose today. I hope, man, the boss just fires me. I hope I get demoted. I hope my, you know, no, we wanna be number one. Here's the the key. You cannot enter into the cycle of God's blessings if you were always at the top of your blessing list. It's not going to happen. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 and 8. Do not be deceived. That means you can be deceived. God is not mocked. Cannot be mocked. A man reaps or harvests receives what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh will from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. So if that's the case, think about this, what you have reaped or harvested or received, what you have at this point in your life, the Bible says is the result of what you have sown in the past. When I used to work with people that were in jail, I try and explain this to them. But they would always see themselves as the victim, and everybody was out against them, and they could not understand this principle. You are here because of your actions and your attitude. You have reaped what you have sown. And 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 so a lot of people think when when I you talk about sowing and reaping. They automatically think, oh, preachers are going to be talking about money and finances and all that. I'm not talking about just material things. You reap what you have sown. If you sow anger, expect anger back. If you sow love, you can expect love. If you sow mercy, you should receive mercy. If you, if you you know, it's it's just a matter, it's a principle of God. And, and so if you're going to enter into the cycle of God's blessing, the cycle that will cause you to rise up as you begin to grow, and rather than repeat the same mistake over and over and over and over again, if you, must, you must learn to sow if you expect a change and an increase. Examples of sowing. Sowing your time, giving of your time, giving of your talents, Uh, giving mercy, compassion, friendship. I've had people tell me, I don't have any friends. And I said, what have you done to go make friends? Nothing. Then you've received exactly what you've sown. You have to put forth an effort. Uh, I'm not a friendly person. I don't know what to tell you. You But friends are not just going to come knock on your door because you put a sign out front and say, I want a friend. Because if, if you say, I'm not a friendly person, they're going to figure that out real quick and move on to somebody else. So we have to learn to sow, okay? The second thing is, then we have to learn to tend. And, and, and you're thinking, tend, what does that mean? Tend means to look after, care for, cultivate, or watch over. And you're saying, so what is it I'm supposed to tend over or cultivate? Galatians 6 and 9 says, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So as we sow into God's cycle, trusting him for the increase, because look, this is, a cycle that God has put together. It's 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 a process that He has put together. Sow, tend, reap, and receive, and then sow it back again. So we have to sow, but then we have to learn to tend. And and we so we have to tend for our spiritual health. Can I tell you there is so many Christians today? They don't want to put any effort into their spiritual walk. They just want someone to come and touch them, lay hands on them, speak a word over them, and that somehow it's just going to magically transform you into some spiritual person. Can I tell you that doesn't work? You've got to sow time of spending in God's word. You've got to sow time into being in fellowship with other believers. You have to spend time. And why? And it doesn't happen overnight. Nothing grows overnight. I may have told you this before, but God showed me this years ago when I was starting a church down on the bayous. And and a guy called me up and says, hey, do you want to go with me? We're going out to pick Uh, mushrooms tonight. And I said, mushrooms? He said, the gigantic mushrooms grow grow on the north side of a willow tree and they only happen at a certain time when the moon is this and there's only like one night that you can go get them. I said, I gotta go see this. I don't believe this. And so I went out with him and we picked mushrooms off the sides of trees that were this big and this thick and actually made like a, a sauce piquant and using nothing but the mushrooms for, for like the meat. And, pe- and we served it at a church dinner and people thought there was chicken and pork in there. So I had a little boat that I used to catch catfish and crabs and sell. because uh, when you start a church, you don't have no income. And so I, I went out the next night. I said, I'm going to get some more of them mushrooms. I went out the next night. They were all gone. I said, Lord. They only grow overnight one time. And so one time I was complaining to the Lord about three or four churches that had started in nearby areas and they started like gangbusters. They started the first one 300 people, first one 500 people, you know, and they were growing like crazy. And here I was down on the bayou and we started in a home and we were growing, but it was slow, you know, and and I wanted, I was tired of hearing about how they had had 600 and they were only six weeks old or 900 people and they were only six months old. And, and And I'm like, God, we're working and we're being faithful and doing this. Why can't you do that here? And he told me, he spoke to me, he said, son, don't you remember? He said, the only thing that grows overnight is a mushroom and it's a fungus. (laughs) And he said, you want a fungus for a church? I said, no, sir. I'd like something healthy. (laughs) Come on now. See, the Lord will use things in your life to teach you spiritual principles. And so what I'm saying is that we have to tend to things and realize that it may not happen. In fact, I'm just going to say it this way. It will not take place at the speed that you desire it to happen. I wish we could just click our heels and say three times, and it all works out. It doesn't. I'm just saying you have to tend to it. You have to tend to it. You have to cultivate it. You have to You have to nurture it. You have to do a spiritual health, physical health, emotional health. And we need to recognize that life's struggles are always going to be around us. You can be on the greatest high spiritually, emotionally, fantastic, whatever. Everything's going great. And then all of a sudden, without you knowing it, hit the wall or the floor drop out from underneath you. And you go from one minute praising God to you're down in the valley going, where are you, God? See, doubt And defeat and discouragement, disillusionment, difficulties, they're always present in the world. But what did Jesus tell his disciples? I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. For in this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. He's he's saying you can expect times of difficulty, and, and struggles. He said, I'm telling you this so that what? You can have peace. If, if we can't have peace in the midst of turmoil, then what is the hope that we're trying to give to those outside the church that don't know God? We actually have to live this thing out. In him, in Christ, we are overcomers, but battles and struggles will still come our way. That's why Ephesians 6.13 says, Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, doesn't say it might come, it says when it comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything to stand. In other words, once the battle has, is over and the dust settles, you're still standing. That's what he's talking about. He said, you must tend to it. So that's putting on the armor. That's getting into this word. That's learning the power that's there, the power that's given to you in the name of Jesus, the, the, the tools and the weapons and the, and the principles that God says for the high praises of God in our mouth will set the enemy to flight. But if all that comes out of your mouth during times of trouble is, Oh, me, oh, my, the devil's not running. He's clapping. He figures he's got it. He's got you where he wants you. I know this is basic stuff, but we need to remember this. We must tend the spiritual fire in our lives. You cannot expect someone else to do it for you. Your spouse can't do it for you. Your pastor can't do it for you. Nobody else can do it for you because when you get back home, their words are going to fade and you're still going to be facing your giants and your troubles and your difficulties and you're going to have to be able to learn to say, in the name of Jesus, devil, I put an end to this, and you're done in my house. I'm just telling you, you have to learn to do it. I've had people call and say, come pray over my house, come pray over my house, come pray over my house. I'm like, have you prayed over it over it yet? No. Well, do it. People say, well, when you say that, people get, they're never going to call you for anything. But but you know what? I remember Dr. Lester Summerall years ago in the Philippines. There was a woman that was on the news all over over the world. She was bitten by devils. She was a street walker in in in, in, in the Philippines, and they locked her up in a jail cell by herself and she starts screaming in the middle of the night, jailers come, she's on the floor screaming and yelling and when they left there were bite marks all over her with saliva running down and they saw nothing. This happened night after night after night after night. Scientists came in, doctors came in from all over the world and said the bite marks resembled nothing that they knew of any animal or human species at all. They didn't understand it and they could watch it happen. She described it the two beings that were coming in, they were demons. Well, Dr. Summerall was in the Philippines holding a big crusade and he heard this on the radio. And the long and short of it, because I don't have time to go into the whole story, there's an actual film that I've, I've showed before. My wife and I used to travel around college campuses and show this film called Bitten by Devils. It, it hit world, world um, newspapers everywhere for weeks. And, and Dr. Summerall cast the devils out of that woman, and she was free. And can I tell you what? His tent meeting all of a sudden exploded And people who were demon-possessed began to come and that were trapped by the enemy. But this woman, even though he had led her to the Lord, these things would come back. And they would torment her and bite her. And they would pray over her. And they would run these things off. And even one time she grabbed a handful when she opened her hand. She had some hair of some kind. They put under every every tool they had at that time. And they said, Whatever it is, it's not human. It's not anything that we know of on this earth. And finally, Dr. Summerall looked at her and, and told her, he says, the problem is you as a Christian, have to learn that you have the power to tell them they are not welcome back. And so the next night when, when when they came to her and she saw them, instead of screaming in terror and allowing them to have their way, she stood up as a young Christian believer and said, in the name of Jesus Christ, I rebuke you, and by the blood of Christ, get out of here. And she said she saw them go out the window. She described them to Dr. Summer all day, And after that, she was completely free. And, and that's why I say that we have to grow in his word. We need to grow in our spiritual walk. We need to learn the promises are real. The power is real. There's nothing like the name of Jesus. It will make demons tremble. Can I tell you the name of Jesus causes demons to tremble, but there are Christians who are not even moved by it. You know why? Because they're used to playing over on the dark side. They want to play in the devil's playground, and they wonder why they have no authority over the devil. Flee youthful lust and pursue these great, the holy things, these promises of God, the power of God. We got to grow in the word. We got to learn how to grow and continue in praise and worship and look with anticipation that God is going to bring a harvest. Okay. The third thing is we need to prepare to, to harvest or receive. And, and this is why I say there's so much false teaching in the church today concerning God's blessings that if we're not careful, I'm speaking to myself. I probably have not spoken enough about the blessings and, and, and the things that are rightfully, rightfully belong to those who are true followers of Jesus Christ. Because we have a tendency to have a knee-jerk reaction. If we see an abuse in one thing, we say, I'm not going to do that, and we'll go way over here. And God doesn't want us to do that. He wants us to live in a balance. And if we're not careful, we'll actually miss this because this is God's cycle. We sow, and then we tend, and then the third thing is we prepare. He says, for at the proper time, we will, say will, we will Reap, receive, a harvest. The purpose of sowing is to have a time of reaping, time of receiving, a time of harvest. A, har- a farmer doesn't get up and, and, and till the soil and sow the seed because he has nothing better else to do. He sows with the expectation that at the right time, under the right conditions that may come that year, there will be a harvest. So, when we sow and then we tend, and then, in other words, that we look after and care for and cultivate and watch over the things that are necessary in our lives, and we wait patiently as God gives the increase. Now, Here's the, here's the thing I want you to understand. We should have an expectation in the season of God's timing. And I, I don't know why, but I'm just telling you, God's timing is never the same as mine or yours. But here's what I've come to, you know, when I was younger, there was a lot of teaching about sowing and reaping. And it was like I expected things to happen instantly. And, and I expected, you know, God to do a certain amount. You know, they'd tell you, if you sow this, you're going to reap this. Can I tell you, I don't give of anything for the purpose of receiving. But I give knowing that in God's time, And in his season, when he sees fit, there's going to be a harvest of some kind that's going to come my way. And I love it when he does it in a way and in a place and a time that you least expect it. Come on now. I mean, you know, it's like if it's your birthday, you expect someone to give you a present. But how about if it's, it's not? And somebody just walks up and says, I felt led to give you something. And they just give it to you. And you go, why? They said, God just put it on my heart. And then you go, God, you actually spoke to somebody to come do this for me? And it's not even my birthday or Christmas or... Why? Because God said, because this is when I deemed that you needed it. I'm telling you, and I'm not just talking about money. I received a a text message just a couple weeks ago, and I was at a low point that day. i really feeling bummed out. I know none of you have ever done that. You're more spiritual than me. But this message was short and sweet and to the point. And I said, God, I needed that today. Thank you. We sow and we tend and we can expect to receive in God's season. And then the fourth thing is, when he gives, we need to learn to give God praise for the increase and you say well how do you know it's going to be an increase because how many of you have sown a seed of anything before anything did you get a seed or did you get a plant that was full of fruit or vegetables or whatever that had multiple seeds on the inside so i expect an increase I'm not telling God what and where and how. You know what? He knows what's best. He knows when. I'm just telling you, it's a cycle. My job is not to go, oh, it's to give, but it's to give God the praise. Absolutely give God the praise. See, the harvest time in God's cycle is not a time of hoarding. The harvest time in God's cycle is not a time of ingathering to oneself. The harvest time in God's cycle of of receiving is is a time of changing your focus outward, not inward. My, My friend Gary Sapp always said, I've never forgotten it. He said, God will get it to you if he can get it through you. And that principle is true about anything. I mean, God brings blessing in one way. He'll bring blessing in another way. I remember one time God spoke to my heart about a lady in the church who was having to walk to work every day and, and she was a sweet woman. I mean, loved the Lord, or, but family home situation was not really good. And, and my wife and I were not well off at all. And, but we had a, had a car sitting there that had 329,000 miles, but it still ran. Now, between oil changes, you had to add a quart. But it didn't puff smoke, and it got like 30 miles to the gallon. And I, said, I told my wife, I said, this is stupid. Keep insurance on this car. We just need to sell it. And then we looked at each other, and we said, let's give it to her. So I called her up, and I said, uh, can you meet us at such and such? And we just handed the keys and signed the title over to her. We were, you say, well, you wouldn't have got much. I'd have got something. But God said, give them that. And it wasn't, it, it wasn't like a few months later, I get a call from a guy who's moved out of the city, moved out of the state, and he goes, I'm flying back home. I need to meet with you. And next thing you know, he's, he's giving us a house to live in that's almost a city block. And he said, can you watch over my rental properties and all of this? And I said, I can't afford to even walk through the front door of this house. The doors on the house had a separate insurance policy because they had come from France like 100 and something years ago, stained glass. It was incredible. I said, it makes me nervous just to walk in your house, never mind living this thing. And he said, well, how much can you afford? I said, I'm, I'm paying $1,000 a month, rent, utilities, insurance, everything. That's all I got. I said, there's no way. He said, well, give me 1000 a month. I said, God, how, why? He said, because I want to give give you increase. He didn't give me the property, but I mean, it was such a blessing. And and it wasn't, did we deserve it? Not in my mind, but that's what he did. And so what I'm, I'm trying to just say, can I tell you that we danced around. We went from that little tiny house that we were renting My wife and I, the library in this house, it had a library. We built in shelving. The library was bigger than the house we were renting. I was like, it had, what did it have, baby? Five and a half bathrooms, five and a half toilets, or whatever, you know? I mean, we'd have to walk to find them. I mean, marble floors. Boy, can I tell you when you dance on the marble floors, it sounds good, you know? I'm telling you, wow! Turn up the music, crank it up, it bounce off the walls and the floors and everything. People wonder what in the world is going on right down there. I'm just telling you that God has a way of doing stuff when we least expect it. And he'll do it, he'll do something that you least expect. <laughs> You know, the Israelites, the first thing they would do with their harvest is they would have the the offering of first fruits. They would cut like a sheaf of wheat or whatever, and they'd bring it, and they'd wave it to the Lord. And they they were recognizing and saying that, God, you're the source. Without you, we wouldn't even have this. Lord, you gave the increase, and everything that I have is owed to you because of who you are. And so I tell you this, that the occasion of increase was also the time to to begin to start the cycle over again. See, some people think the idea is to get to the end and then hold on to what you got. No, when you get to the end and he's given increase, you're supposed to sow again. And then the cycle starts, you're tending, you're still growing. And then God begins to give harvest and then increase comes and you sow again and you go and the cycle keeps going. Look, my wife and I used to work for a guy named Norval Hayes and he was one of the pioneers in the charismatic movie. He was a businessman for years. And then God God, uh, just came into his life, and he became one of the early pioneers of the early charismatic move in the late, uh, late 60s, early 70s, and we were part of his ministry team, and uh, he called my wife Amanda his little angel, and, uh, he, and he was a multi, multi, multi-millionaire, but he lived in a plain three-bedroom, two-bath house in an average neighborhood. No pool, no nothing. And we, we saw him. We lived with him. We knew what it was like he was like. And the way he was out front in front of 5,000 people was the same way he was in his kitchen. He was, just, he was a country boy, a Tennessee country boy. You know in the Bible where it says, he said, and the disciples went into town to fetch victuals. It says in the King James. He always said they went to town to get victuals. I tried arguing with him that there's no TT in there, it's CT. He said, What's victuals? I said, Food, victuals. He never said chair, he said, Cheer. Sit in the cheer. I mean, but we saw him as it was. I remember at a meeting one time, a missionary got up and started speaking about how they were planting churches in this country in Africa and how he had planted like almost 200 churches, but how it would take time, days at a time for him to go from village to village because they were so far apart, but they couldn't have roads. He said, if, if I could only get a bicycle, and I watched Norval sit there and break in tears. And, and nobody did anything, but I saw him pull out his checkbook, and he began to write a check for $2,000. And he walked up to that missionary when no one was around, put it in his hand. He said, don't look at this now. He said, but you get you a bike, and you buy as many people as, necess- as you can bikes so they can get to the villages and preach the gospel. I said, Norman, why don't you, he said, nobody needs to know that. He said, God's blessed me. I need just to bless them. We were in his house the very next day. The phone rings, and somebody's calling from Crystal River, Florida. And there was a piece of property he had tried to buy for months on end. And somebody calls him about the same piece of property and says, we'll give it to you for this price. And it was one-fourth of what he would have, was trying to buy it for. And he just gets off the phone, starts crying. He said, I don't know why God just keeps doing this. I said, well, I was a young Christian, and I'm thinking, if you don't know, I sure don't know. But you know what I've learned? Is there is a cycle of blessing. God desires to bless. The problem is we don't live for the blessing. Can I say that properly? I don't live for his blessing because he alone is enough. But he, as any father, delights in his children. But he delights in those who love him and are going after him with all their heart. And he loves to bestow blessings upon us. He loves to see the surprise on our face. He loves to see all of those things. We're either going to live in cycles of destruction or we can learn to live in God's cycles of blessing. And if we're going to learn to live in cycles of blessing, we're going to have to learn to sow of our time and talents and everything else, sow. And then 10, grow in this word. Grow in our relationship with God. Grow in the promises. Grow and understand and begin to stand strong. And then when God brings the increase in whichever way, listen, it's not always money. All of a sudden, you're sitting there and your boss comes up to you and goes, can you come to my office? And you're thinking, oh my goodness, what have I done? Right? And you get in there and they go, close the door. And then you go, oh, Oh, it's got to be bad. It's got to be bad. They go, listen, I just wanted to talk to you. I've been watching you. And I've seen how you've been with the other employees. And I recognize something unique and special in you. And I want to offer you a promotion. And you think. you know, you're looking for the cameras, am I being pranked, you know, and then you, and they go, I've recognized how you are around the others, and you deserve this, and you think, thank you, Father, you can, look, you can say it under your breath right there, thank But when you get out, you go, thank you, Jesus, glory to God. And then you think, and you know what most people do? They'll go, now I can go get a new car, and I can go do this, and I can go do this. And God said, no, I gave you increase to sow. I mean, look, God's not against you having stuff. He just doesn't want stuff to have you. We've got to learn. God's cycle of blessing, God's cycle of blessing. But it starts with surrendering to Jesus Christ. And we're going to pray right now. We're going to pray right now. I ask you get to bow your heads for just a moment, right where you're at. I don't know everybody here. I don't know where you stand with the Lord, but I'm going to ask a simple question. And that is, have you sur- really surrendered to Jesus? In other words, you're not arm wrestling them about every single thing in your life. You're not trying to get by with stuff and then coming back and asking God to forgive you. Have you surrendered to Jesus? And if you haven't, the Bible says, then you need to understand that he is the son of God. He was born of a virgin. He lived a life without sin. He came into this world and died on the cross to pay the price that God requires for the forgiveness of sins. He was buried in a tomb, and on the third day, he was raised again. And God now has raised him up from the dead, and he has ascended to heaven. He sits on the right hand of God, and the Bible says he's praying for you right now. If you have not surrendered to him, he's praying right now for you and saying, will you this time, will you completely surrender without terms, without any, any excuses, surrender and leave? let me begin to work in your life. If you believe all those things that I said and you're ready to repent, in other words, you'll acknowledge that your sin is sin and it separates you from God because that's what God's word says. And then you're willing to repent. You bring yourself into alignment with what God's word says and then you change direction. Do you become perfect overnight? No. But you you become forgiven. And then he doesn't leave you alone. He sends the Holy Spirit to come and live inside you. And the Bible says he comes to teach you and guide you and direct you in all truth concerning Christ. And if that's you and you're ready to truly surrender. I'm not here to embarrass you, but I'm going to ask you just to stand right where you're at so we know who to pray for. You're ready to surrender. I'm going to ask you to stand. Is there anyone at all? I don't know. You may be at home and you're standing right in your living room or standing wherever. That's fine. Right now. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? You're ready to stand. Totally surrender. Thank you. Totally surrender. Anyone else? I'm telling you, heaven's rejoicing already. Total surrender. I'm going to ask you to pray with me. that. Pray with me these words. There's nothing mystical, magical, super spiritual about the words. You just have to mean it from your heart. Would you pray with me? Dear God in heaven, pray it out loud right where you're at. You're standing. Dear God in heaven, I admit this day that I have sinned. And I agree that my sins... Have separated me from you. Forgive me of my sin. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He paid the price upon the cross for my sins. Dear Jesus, Forgive me now. I surrender all. Everything about my life, everything that is to come, I surrender it to you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, I invite you to come. Live in my life Teach me about Jesus. I pray this in His holy name. Amen. Can I tell you, the Bible says at this time that in the midst of the angels of God there is rejoicing. I said, there is rejoicing. And there should be rejoicing in the church. Now, two weeks ago, you could stand if you want. Two weeks ago, we made a declaration. And I want us to make this declaration together right now. If you want to stand, you can. If you want to stay seated, you can. But let us make this declaration. And I mean make it boldly. See, we're not only breaking the cycle of destruction, We are now entering in the cycle of God's blessing. It's one thing to renounce the past. It's another thing to embrace the future. The very present that God has for us now. So would you say this out loud with me? It's a declaration. It's about four shots on the screen. You're going to see it. We'll put it up there. We'll say it all together, okay? I shall not die but live and declare the works of the Lord. The devil has no place in me, no power over me, no unsettled claims against me. It has all been settled by the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. I am no longer a slave to sin. Its power over me is broken in Jesus' name. My body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, redeemed, cleansed, and sanctified to be an instrument of righteousness for His service and for His glory. I am an overcomer and walk in victory over Satan by the desires of the flesh, by the blood of Jesus Christ, His finished work on the cross, and his resurrection from the dead. Today and every day, I stand triumphant by God's word, the word of my testimony, and my confession that Jesus Christ is Lord of my life. Amen. 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 You got a song? Praises to
0: your name Come on oh, Lord For, for your name, name is great And is greatly great. to be praised I sing praises to your name Oh Lord to your name Oh Lord
6: For your
0: name is great and is greatly to be praised I give glory to your name Oh Lord Glory to your name oh lord for your name is great and greatly to me pray i give glory to your name oh lord glory to your name oh lord, Your name is great
6: And greatly to be praised If you have any special prayer need We welcome you to come forward We'll pray with you Otherwise God bless you Live in His blessings Enter into the blessings of God Begin to sow Begin to tend Begin to expect And then sow Of the increase in Jesus' name.
0: Sing praises to your name. Oh Lord, praises to your name. Oh Lord, for your name is great and is greatly to be.